0: Welcome to another episode of our mini podcast. I built a company that makes a difference by B1. Here we talk to founders of sustainable businesses to get their quick take on how and why they started the companies. And more importantly, some lessons learned along the way. Today we're talking to Laura Sati Vitu, the founder and CEO of Mazenjar, a New York City based refillery that helps customers produce less waste, promote a mindful diet, and support local farmers and producers in the process. Lara Sati, welcome to the show. I'm super interested in hearing more about Masonjar, Jar, especially about how you've expanded your business and your network of partners, of which you have a lot. So uh, welcome, very, very warm welcome to, to our mini podcast. I built a company that makes a difference.
1: Thank you. Hi, Andrew, I'm very happy to be here, too. Thanks for having
0: me. Awesome. Let's jump off. First off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and
1: about Mason Jar? Um, so like you said, I am the founder and owner of Maison Jar. I, I, call it a refillery and low-waste grocery store. Um, we're located in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. It's like in the northern part of Brooklyn in New York City. And we've been open for 14 months. So we've celebrated our, our first year anniversary a couple of months ago and everything has been great. We've been received like so nicely from the, the whole community. And uh, basically, for those who don't know what is a refillery slash low-waste grocery store, we are a one-stop shop selling food products, personal care, and home essential, all without any unnecessary packaging. So basically, the sto- the, the goal, the vision of, of Maison Jar is to fight single-use packaging. Um, I know that uh, you're from the UK, if I'm not mistaken. There's a, a lot of those uh, uh, over there. And actually, there's not a lot of those uh, um, refilleries in New York City. Um, especially for food, we're the second store. And how it works is that we encourage our customers to bring in their own containers from home, they weigh the empty containers, and then they help themselves from the silos in the jar. They just use as much or as little as, as they want.
0: Okay, cool. And what was the kind of aha moment that that made you or that uh, inspired you to open this store to start the business, or was it kind of a long process to getting to where you are today to opening the store 14 months ago?
1: So I think it was a, a aha moment. Um, even though I was working for for the, in the food industry before for a natural ingredient company, um, and I also while I was still working, I, I took a certificate in sustainable food and agriculture system while I was still with the former my former company because I really enjoyed what I was doing, but I I I knew that for I, I was looking just, you know, like I've been there for eight years. I wanted to do something different. And I knew that having an impact either environment or social was something important. And I, I thought, like, while I still am figuring out, I would educate myself and I, I I went for that certificate. Then COVID happened and I decided I didn't still know what I wanted to do next. And I was a bit afraid with covid. So I just left my 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 job actually and I decided to take some time for for myself with my husband. We went traveling on the west coast of uh, of the US. And I also went to see my family for a couple of months, and that's when I actually had the aha moment. Um, in France, there's a lot of uh, refillery stores, um, and I was actually impressed to see how many of those grocery stores there were in a, in, a, in, a, in, a c- in in small cities, big cities, everywhere. And and with my husband, we were already trying our best to be as sustainable as possible in our daily life, even, um, you know, not using reusable bags Uh, at Whole Foods. There is a bit of a little bulk section where we're buying some rice and some of our granulas over there. Um, But when I went to France, I was just impressed to see how, how it just developed and spread um, across cities. And that's kind of when the idea started. Um, But then let's be honest, I was working behind a computer and now Being a store owner, you know, there's a lot of manual, um, you have to be open seven days a week. So I was not like, okay, I'm going to do it right away. And uh, while I was doing my business plan, I also um, um, became a member of a co-op in Green Hill, which is not so far from where I live. And so I I was doing those two at the same time. And just, you know, when I was at the co-op, I was at the cashier. I was one of their buyers. Um, I was also a floor attendant, like putting, displaying products. And I actually really enjoyed the fact that I was not just behind a computer. Um, And after doing my business plan and everything, I was like, okay, let's do it. So that's kind of how it happened.
0: Awesome. Okay. So kind of a slow build. And then you decided to take the plunge. Mm -hmm. Cool. Exactly. And what did the first six months look like? You've done your business planning, you were like, Okay, I'm gonna do this thing. What did the first six months look like? And I'm asking you because a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs. So just like a really clear, lucid look at what did the six the first six months of starting your business look like? Was it terrifying? Was it exciting? All of the above.
1: So it was. All of the above. Um, it's true that while I was working on my business plan and, and and so on, sometimes, you know, when you do some market research and things like this, you you feel that you're not actually working on the store being open. So it can be a bit frustrating where you, everyone tells you you have to start with a business plan. Um, but I have to say that now with some, uh, like, uh, like like when I look back, actually all the stuff that I looked over in, uh, in in Europe, what was happening in the US, just understanding a bit better what it means um, uh, being zero waste. Um, well, actually now it, I, I can see how it was enriching to educate myself in that one. Maybe when I started, it was not really about opening the store. So sometimes I was a bit like, I'm doing things, but it's not helping my store being open. Um, financial models are very hard uh, to to build and to be sure of. I'm lucky that my husband was very helpful in that regard. and um, and after what I had to do and uh, and what I think I, I did great um, is that I started reaching out to vendors and partners. Um, this is really something that I've started early and it also helps you to, it's kind of helps you build the excitement as well. You know, when you speak with people that are, that kind of share the same values as you, or that are, they're excited that you want to do this and that kind of tell you everything that they can do to help you. Um, that was great. And especially when you're, I'm doing this alone. So, you know, you get to speak with other people. So that was a great part, finding the products and the partners and also the, the most difficult, um, uh, and that actually started maybe at months two, three, like finding a, a location. Um, nice. maybe the key for success for a retail store when you you're a brick and mortar is your location. You want to make sure that you are in an area where there's a lot of passerbys. Um, it's also residential, especially for groceries, where there's some cross shopping with other grocery type, like um, type of uh, uh, shops and uh and that fits in your budget and everything so that was the most stressful it took me it took me um so the whole project from the idea so when i went to france to the opening the store was about a year and a half Mm -hmm. um me working full time on this I, i i given that i left my job before and it's out of this seven months only was finding the 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 store the location i think that it could have been uh, faster if I had the the storefront sooner. Seven I months to find the store. Yeah, yeah. I was. It's uh, it's it, it's actually. It, it could seem not that long, but actually it was long. I was almost desperate, and I was lucky. I signed the lease uh, two days before my wedding. Oh and, my uh, Oh my gosh! You're planning a wedding in the midst of all of this as well. <laughs> I was also doing that. Yes, and um, but yes, but once I found that place. Um, I was very excited because I knew that it was like, that I've hit the jackpot. Like I knew that the space, the, it was really the dream. You know, you always, you, I was so picky and I was like, I can't find, I can't find a better place. I can't find a better place. And, and, uh, and once I found it, I really, really wanted it. And once I signed it, this lease, I was, I was like, I feel so much more comfortable that I'm going to be successful.
0: Right. How many places did you see that you said, no, this is not Right. Do you remember how uh, many
1: storefronts you saw? I think I saw probably fifty ish oh it was a lot i was with a I was working with a broker um mm-hmm. which I think is good because sometimes they they know things in advance they know how to ask questions as well and I actually almost signed a lease after only two months. I found a spot that I really really liked mm-hmm. um and it it didn't go through with the landlord and uh, and and actually it was it was for the better because the space that I have is is so much better than than that one that I own. We were really, we were we were going to sign the lease almost.
0: So so some- looking back on that, that's mm-hmm. fortunate that that first one that you thought was it was not it actually, and there was something better waiting for you. But looking back on that whole process, any just like small. It tips or any tricks or anything that you would recommend to other other entrepreneurs that are starting with a brick-and-mortar store, an actual brick-and-mortar store, um, that they might watch out for? You said good working with a broker. Okay, that's, that's a good one because it can save you time uh, and can really condense your search. Anything else that comes to mind?
1: Yes, I think that um, uh, something that I wish I did more um, is uh, speaking with other businesses um, that have a brick-and-mortar because because there's so little, ref- I obviously spoke with uh, Katerina. She's the owner of Precycle, which is another refiller, the mm-hmm. other refiller in a, in, a, in New York City. So I spoke to her, but I think I, I shouldn't have hesitated to speak with other um, uh, owners, like restaurants, other just a store, like whatever store, um, just to understand a bit better, um, like also having some numbers, you know, of, a, of a, a trash removal, electricity, um, things like this where you, for every business is the same thing and actually getting also some advice on on how they how they they manage their storage area um and all those kind of things i think it would have been helpful for me while i was uh, building up the space to actually have spoken with with any type of business that not it doesn't need to be a refillery for me to get uh, valuable information and i think on the search could have helped as well um then i really think that the broker the broker is really uh, the the, the go to as they're the expert in in finding commercial spaces.
0: Yeah, so that's interesting. So you're saying not just like falling in love with this space, but also looking at the logistics around renting in this area and the infrastructure, which of mm-hmm. course talking to any other business that's just in this space, things, services
1: that the city provides, et cetera, that's really important to know. Yes. And like, you know, for security, some things you ask, uh, everyone has their a bit of uh, their uh, uh, opinion on how they want to manage the security of their store. But it's, it's actually, before you, once you, you build out your space, you can't really go backwards. Um, so sometimes actually speaking with a lot of people that own businesses that are storefronts, uh, it's actually good to do it before you build out your space and before it's actually too late um like the really toilets, good. The, i don't know like just so right. simple things um and i think that that's something that i sh- i feel that i should have done a bit more that is a really interesting i didn't even think about that yeah because you're fitting your space to
0: meet what you think is your needs mm-hmm. and so talking to other people about things like as you said where should the toilets go or yeah. the security that's yeah. interesting yeah those are things that are
1: not easily all, you, mm-hmm. all the cleaning area for instance same you know mm-hmm. like uh, we're not a restaurant, but we have a tree, tree sink compartment. We have a dishwasher, and uh, and the way you you put your plumbing the and it, like because we we had to do a, a decent amount of work on the space,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, and then you work with the contractor, but the contractor is not always the he always gives you the your uh, his opinion and on how things have to be. But sometimes actually listening to other owners, they probably have a better opinion on on how to. To run those type of uh, of businesses because contractors they don't only do uh, commercial spaces either.
0: Okay, that's that's a good tip. Those are those are good tips, and two that I hadn't thought of. Um, so if we move on to the talking to partners, and, and providers. So you started talking to um, partners, um, producers, etc. Before way before you had your storefront and you were ready to open what was that process like? Was it first, did you have a really strict criteria or a really good idea of like who you wanted, what you wanted represented in your store, or was it kind of hit and miss as you started to have more conversations?
1: Um, I think it was, I didn't have specific criteria. Um, uh, it's true that I think that the biggest criteria for me, and those are one of the two important values of, of Maison Jar, is, is local and, and organic. Um, in the neighborhood where I am, there's, I, I'm for organic and regenerative agriculture myself. I, I truly believe those are, are better than uh, conventional agriculture. Uh, I know that there's a certain price um, um, uh, when you buy organic uh, and from more sustainable agriculture systems. But the clientele of, of Greenpoint, where I am is also looking for organic products. So having organic products was important, local as well. So it kind of you know restricts you a, a little bit, especially when you think about produce. Uh, nuts, dried fruits and stuff like that. Um, but then uh, I was not more picky than that. I was asking a lot about their packaging, um, also a bit about how they manage their waste, uh, making sure to understand a bit if they had any pest management and you know, just making sure that they were doing the things right. Um, and, um, and then like uh, how I, w- how, how I was finding them, it was like either sometime, you know, you just put on your uh, search, uh, and, uh, uh, on your, uh, engine, like an internet engine and you just put a, uh, a, local wholesalers, food wholesalers, and you actually have a list of people that you can already reach out. But what I really like doing is that I, when I know that I like a product, like there was those beans that are made from upstate New York. And I wanted to have those beans from upstate New York. Well, I re- reached out to the brand itself, and they gave me their their wholesalers. And actually, that's the best way to do is sometimes to just have a product, reach out to them, and ask who is their distributor because that 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 uh, production the manufacturer of those beans that I'm getting from he's not interested in working with maison jar like if he had to work with every grocery store it would be impossible for him he's not even doing that with anyone he works with a wholesaler and he gives me the contact of the wholesaler and then i discover and many other uh, products through that wholesaler so that was kind of a, a way of of doing it it's just finding the product and then uh, knowing what product you want and then you find the the person that's going to sell it to you okay interesting okay and, and so for would, anybody yeah, go on no, just to give, like, uh, to give uh, you an idea, I probably, like, I would say that in the food space on the personal care and home is very different. But on the okay. food space, I think that um, 80% of my, uh, uh, the, the the food that I sell comes from um, uh, three to four major uh, wholesalers. So that, mean, that makes, like, you know, it also makes life easier for me. Okay. Um, so it's... It, People should not think that I'm working with every different brand to get the the product. I'm working with about three, uh, three four major wholesalers there. Okay. Is that something that it you would recommend? Yes, definitely. Um, and I, I would definitely recommend this because you have to hit, you know, like when you think about even being eco-friendly, like there is still a, a truck coming to you. Um if you were to order uh like one thing from one person even the business the the wholesaler it doesn't make sense for them. i had to I have to hit some certain minimum order quantities in order to get that delivery uh, and uh, and if I want to hit that minimum order quantity, I need to order not just one product from that wholesaler um so you have to diversify your your product offering from one wholesaler like you have to get several things in order to be able to get that delivery so it it makes total sense, uh, and I would recommend it. Also, by ease, um, once you're placing orders uh, on a weekly basis, it just makes it so much easier when you you order from one place Mm-mm. and you build a relationship with with those uh, with uh, with those people. If it's it's good to build strong relationship with with like partners that you really uh, uh, value, with whom you have great relationship, with, rather than having <clears throat> ninety little relationships where you can't even find time to really build that relationship anyway.
0: That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So it's been 14 months that you're open. Have there been any surprising consumer trends
1: that you've seen or witnessed just in this short amount of time? I mean, I was I mean, now that I think about it, it's maybe not that surprising. It's always funny to see what are the top sellers. Right. Uh, um, So I don't know if you want to give it a go of what could be the most, the item that we sell the most in a grocery store. It's, It's nothing that surprising, but I was not expecting it. I would guess a staple food like rice or a grain or soap. That would be my guess. Soaps is high. Grains, yes. The rolled oats, we sell a lot of rolled oats. Um, I think we sell a lot of breakfast uh, because uh, I think we sell a lot of breakfast because the nuts and dried fruits also work work well, but rolled oats, we sell uh, a huge amount in volume. But our number one ingredient is uh, extra virgin oil. I go through. uh, Yeah. I go through I I I I get the the uh, the oil in fifty five gallon drums which is huge yeah. Yeah.
0: and it's I go over it
1: now after a year I go uh, every two months I have to reorder a, a new fifty five gallon drum um, which I don't know what how much it represents in liter but it's a lot and also mangoes dried mangoes people love dried oh, mangoes really? I think it's one of the um, healthy snacks There's still a lot of, uh, of sugar we have. Need to be careful, but it's one of those healthy snacks that people just love. And We go through a lot of uh, of, uh, of dried mangoes every day. <laughs> it's surprising when I was so I grew up in the U.S. and when
0: I was growing up, I remember that we had a tiny little um, container of olive oil because it was so exotic and so expensive. And when I moved to France, I remember seeing huge quantities, mm-hmm. like you could buy big, like liters and gallons of olive oil and I was thinking oh my gosh this must be so expensive but of course it's closer to production so everybody uses more olive oil. so it's so interesting to hear that that is I mean I'm not that young it's anymore so cool. but from when I was a kid to now people are are like olive oil is thing that you can get in large quantities in the US now that's interesting.
1: yeah there's Californian olive oil, but we get it through a, a, a partner that I really like called simply where we have a single origin from uh, from Greece. And, huh. and really work close with with some close farms. They, they share a lot about st- stories around how they work with the, those farmers, and they're a great partner. So we're not getting ours from uh, from the west coast, but the west coast is a bit struggling as well with the the water um issues. So you know, like um, you have to also balance out. I try to say U.S. as much as I can, but the olive mm-hmm. oil will get getting in Greece. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Okay, so what would you consider some of your biggest hurdles to date that just really gave you a headache or really were a challenge to work through?
1: Um so I think that um managing I mentioned earlier uh, the minimum order quantity is not always easy. Um even though um after a year I'm very happy of where the the store the store is. We still need to to sell more. Um but we've hit, for instance, um my uh finance, the, the financial model that like I've planned for for the first year where we're actually going past it. So it's like. Congratulations. uh, Thank you. Um, But so, yes, like meeting those minimum order quantity when sometimes you have too much of a product, but not enough of one. So you need that. uh, You need that one that you don't have so much, but you need to order other things. So uh, it's getting better and better. Um, But that's sometimes um, something tricky where you always have to kind of juggle because you're still dealing with, with products that have short shelf life. Uh, so you really need to be careful with that um another thing that's i think a hurdle for any businesses i don't think it's really specific to to even a retail store you know it's it's uh, having a team uh to manage i think the employees and staff management is probably the one of the hardest thing that you have to do when you are a manager uh um, and uh, I was already a manager before, and and I am now again. And even though I I truly am grateful of the team that I have, it's still not easy to manage. You know, you even managing the team, the different uh, personalities, uh, everyone's schedule, t- taking some time off, Um, all those uh, and people that just you know we 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 are in a business where there is I think I, I haven't suffered from a a, a lot of uh, tur- turnover. Um, but there is some, uh, some turnover. So you always have to make sure that you, your hiring is also like, um, like following all the, the, that turnover, there's all the training process. So I think that it's not a hurdle, but I would say it's one of the most difficult part of the, of, uh, the job, which I, is kind of surprising to think that I think it's every job is, that's one of the most difficult part. Yeah. People management is,
0: yeah, is a craft on in and of itself for sure. How big mm-hmm. is your team now?
1: So we are a team of, so there's, I should say six, but uh, seven, uh, no, eight, including myself, because there's three full-time. There's three full-time, three part-time. And really, there's two part-times. They only work two days uh, uh, a week. So they're very short part-times. And there's also Naya. She's uh, managing our social media uh, and myself. And I, I... there used to be less, but because now I'm kind of on maternity leave and not working at, at the store um as often. So I also hired more in, in there because of that. Awesome. Okay. Um so do you feel like or
0: okay, this is a, a question that it okay, I'll ask it just the way that it's gonna come to my mind. Do you feel like you've seen those first wiggles of traction when you think, okay, this is, this is okay. We're here. This is going to work. This concept is going to work. Do you feel like you've hit there yet? And if you have, when did that happen? What were the signals that you got? Or do you feel like we're,
1: we're working to that? I think we're working to that. Um, um, I think being an entrepreneur, you really have stress management is also very important. It's very stressful, you know, and I think the most stressful part is the financial part you still put a lot of money up front to open your business and uh, um i i uh i've have a, with my husband we've put a loan in for the for the business and you know like uh, everything's is going great but i always i always worry about about how financially we're it's going to be and, and and it better be successful you know so um we need more uh, i'm very like it's going in the in the good direction and i think that Where I can see that we're going in the right direction is um, the returning customer. We have more than 65% returning customer, which is uh, a lot. The relationships that we build with those customers, and that's very specific to grocery store. When you think about a clothing store, you go there once a year, twice, I don't know. But when you go to a grocery store, you go there weekly. So we actually build... Uh, uh, relationship with our customers and you get feedback from your customers and I can see how very happy they are um, of having us uh, in the neighborhood like we received some some cookies and some cards for the for the end of the year just people saying you are the best thing that happened to the neighborhood uh, last year and you know it's like really when when i have all those positive and encouraging uh feedback I, i'm just i'm just saying to myself that's the reason why i open maison jar it's really for 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 the for, for building that community um and also um, another thing where I know that I'm going in the right direction is that every month our sales are increasing. Um, we're, every month we're doing better. I think it's going to slow down a bit for summer because uh, it's known in grocery stores to have that kind of slow months during uh, the summer break with where, where everyone out of town. Um, but it's true. Um, uh, last month was uh, better than uh, than in uh, April. And I think June is going to be better than than May. That's a very clear
0: indicator. If <laughs> Your revenues are keep going up month on month, and that's a very clear indicator. Speaking of stress management, what do you do? We know that entrepreneurship will test you like nothing else in your life, in a very specific way. What do you do for stress management?
1: Um, so I do a lot of sports. Um, even when I was pregnant, I'm not doing it as much now because I'm still pretty tired by taking care of my, my, little, uh, my little boy. Um, but I think sports has always been something that helped me a lot. I do yoga and and uh, uh, rock climbing, so those are. Uh, and I also do uh, climbing with my husband, so we kind of have this this thing that bonds that has bonded us since we've uh, we've met. Um, so it's true that I think sports helps me a lot. Eating healthy. Um, and making sure that I that I don't get like, because um, sometimes, you know, the, when you have a lot of work and you have a lot of things to do, sometimes you want to you shorten your meals or not take a real break. Um, but I really make a point to take some time to cook and to have a healthy meal. And actually cooking helps as well with, you know, you're doing something else, you, your mind goes kind of in a flow state, which actually really helps with stress. Um, I feel as well. And the last thing is that I'm a pretty positive person. Um, uh, I think if you tell us, my husband or, or many of my friends, I'm not really the type of, even though I'm stressed, I don't, I don't appear as to being too stressed. Like, I think I can, I have a good, uh, um, tolerance to, the, to stress. And it's also because I'm a, a relatively pretty positive person, uh, like you know when we have an issue coming in at the store i or a delivery that didn't happen i i don't try and have this like ruin my day if you want i'm just like you know that happens worse can can happen as well um like i i think that being positive and having a good uh, a positive mindset also helps you manage your stress so, so then good. just
0: to um, recap mm-hmm. on all of the things that have happened to you since you've decided to start your business you planned and got married. You planned a wedding and got married. Opened your business and had a baby. Yes, yes. So yeah, all I of mean, that together. Yeah, I'd say you're pretty good at managing stress. Then.
1: <laughs> we really wanted to have a family with my husband. I, I have to say, went faster than expected, and uh, I'm so grateful of that. Like, uh, of course, I was a bit stressed when I found out that I was pregnant, but I I worked it. I I worked it out like, you know, I, 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 I have one uh, person that started working even before the store opened. Her name is Renee. And uh, by um, uh, six months before uh, my uh, due date, uh, I've promoted her to a store uh, store manager and like, you know, I've trained her and uh, she's doing amazing. She feels a lot of ownership in the store as well. And she, and it's been great. Um, So I've, 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 I was scared when I knew that uh, that the day was coming, but now that it's been three months that he's here and uh, the store is doing great. Fantastic. Yeah.
0: All right. So with all of these great uh, developments, we're halfway through the year now. What are you most excited about for the second half of the year?
1: Um, I think that... So um, another thing I've mentioned it a little bit about building this community in in Greenpoint that's the neighborhood where the store is. Um, how we do that is also through events, um, and I want to do more of that because those are fun ones to organize. And when I say events, it's um, it's at the store because uh, we I've uh, when I've uh, built the store, I've made uh, uh, with the architect that I was working with. I've purposely made the store where everything in the middle can be moved. So you can have a big space in the middle of the store and have events. And what type of events? We can have guest speakers. Like we've already done on some events. We had, for instance, someone a coach around eco anxiety that came and um, and shared some tips on people that want to start the uh, a low waste lifestyle. Um, we had some uh, um, demos as well around kitchen crafting. How do you you can use your food scraps? We had some games with the climate fresk. Um, it's a French organization that organized a game to learn about climate change and the solutions uh, and we we did this at the store and I want to do more of those uh, I want to do like some do-it-yourself workshop like how to make your own soap uh, your own candles this I haven't done yet but uh, I want to do that as well and we're planning for um, I want to do a composting um, I'm a true believer in composting I want to do a, a composting event soon and also in September with a uh, with, uh, Customers uh, that organize uh, sustainable events, we want to try and do uh, an event where people will be able to meet with uh, some of our key partners. So we're going to bring in some of our partners and having a, a potluck style of food and uh, and them being able to speak with uh, with uh, our partners of their products and so on.
0: Nice. Okay, so lots of events of events for this summer and into the second half of this year.
1: Yep and also oh. something important to say is that last week we launched uh, a delivery and a pickup and um, to kind of yeah, extend Yeah that's, that's
0: super important to mention yeah. yeah so what areas do you deliver to
1: all New York City what we did is that we worked <gasps> with a platform called Mercato so that's specific I think to New York for for the moment it's 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 they only have uh, local grocery stores in that platform and they're pretty big in, in New York City like they're known so they they can also help advertise Maison Jar uh, in other neighborhoods. and basically what it's what they do is that they manage the whole backend. Uh, they man, I, I like, I have a, a button from my website that goes through my Maison Jar page on their website, and they manage um, the drivers and and like they have the they did they, they build my li- library into their website. The only thing we have to do is prepare the order uh, either for pickup or for a. Uh, Or for delivery and I'm doing it more to test like uh, I think one day I would love to do it in-house and maybe have even uh, to be even more true to the mission is uh, to uh, have a a refill you know a way of working with a driver that would come back with like the empty jars or whatever Um, but it's a lot of work and I think that uh, it's important to see if there is a market for that first Uh, so that's why I'm testing it out through Mercato the pickup and delivery Okay. Well, yeah, that's super
0: exciting. So you said you launched that last week.
1: Yeah. Nice. All right. Hope that works out well. Me too. Me too. We've had. uh, We didn't have so many orders yet, but it's normal. Apparently, it takes time uh, before we 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 haven't even done so much promotion yet, and they're going to start promoting the promotion very soon. So they said it's just going to go like slowly and slowly, so that also us as a team we get used uh, to preparing those orders and making sure that we meet the deadlines. Cool. All right.
0: Well, happy testing. Thank you. Um, so we've come to the kind of rapid fire portion that we ask everybody. So I'm gonna ask you three questions. No, four actually. <laughs> so the first one, what do you consider your biggest success to date?
1: Um I guess she did ask me this. So what I think that um what I um what I think that as personally is um something that I was not doing before Maison, Maison Jar, and I think that's one of my biggest success is um advocating, you know, like um um voting, marching, um um asking my vendors to be less wasteful, empowering my customers, and actually it's trying to to extend my my impact uh, to not just myself. Um I'm 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 not just doing all the good stuff in, on my daily, uh, in my daily life, but I'm trying to expand that impact to my friends, to, to New York City by voting and marching, um, to my customers and to also my, the, the vendors by working with them to try and see if they cannot find a way where we can have a re- reuse system instead of a, a system where we need to recycle. Um, so I think that that's my my biggest success to date is that I'm able to. I feel that I'm I am expanding my my impact, not just me.
0: Yeah, that's a re- that's one that makes you feel really good as well. Yes. And what about your? What would you consider your biggest failure today?
1: Um. So my biggest failure. Um, so if I say my, I I answered like for personally. Um, I think that when I think about uh my sustainable journey Uh, i think that i would love to take less the plane Uh, it's you know when you think about what really has an impact on what you do um there's things that are bigger than other and you have to be mindful of that like i don't want someone to feel bad about sometimes buying their their coffee in a in a plastic uh, drink you know and I think that when you take the plane, your impact is actually probably uh, more, even though the plane is also flying. You should you should still think that because you're taking the plane, you're still, um, it's planar, uh, uh, create a lot of emissions. And it's true that this is something where I live in, my family is in France. I live in New York City. Um, I still want to see my family. Um, and I try to be very mindful and not go there as often. I go twice a year and I try to stay longer times instead of gay, going maybe three to four times. I stay uh, longer times in in France, um, and I try to reduce. And I would love to do it more. I think that there's really something that I can uh, I can do there to be uh, like on the way I I I go on vacation. Um there's so much that can be done by train as well. I know that in Europe is the best here there's still a lot of improvements needed, but just being mindful of that like you know of of where where my uh my where i I consume the most in terms of emission where is it and trying to do even uh even better um so that's personally and you know when you ask me when uh, you ask me this question about the store, it's so hard to answer i can't even I don't even have that answer for I feel that I'm knock on wood. Things have been rolling well. I was always sure that I would have had something terrible that would happen. But it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> we wish
0: you only continued good Thank you. success. Thank you. <laughs> and what about the most important lesson you feel like you've learned?
1: Um, yes. So uh, the biggest lesson that I've learned, uh, and this is really opening the store and um and working to opening the store is that small habits can make a big difference um, because, like I mentioned before, about when you go to a coffee store and you buy your uh, your um, your uh, your coffee in in one of their non in one of their disposable plastic uh, uh, glass, it's the same when you come to the store. Sometimes you can have the impression that that. It's not such a big deal to buy your rice in a plastic bag or your rice in a a glass jar. But actually, when you do those small little things, and especially shopping like this in a store like Maison Jar, um, is that you feel your impact when you buy in a glass jar. You're actually seeing it in your house. You're seeing that you're not using that you're not using any, you're not putting anything in your trash and you're recycling bin because you're just reusing. And actually doing those little things where you can feel your impact, you feel the gratification of doing something better. And for me, um, yes, maybe that impact is small as a person, but actually even for yourself, once you start doing this, you'll be like, Wow, actually, I'm so happy that I'm not putting anything in my recycling bin and my trash. Well, you know what? I want to do more. I'm going to start composting. I'm going to take the bike instead of taking the car. I, I just am more mindful of the planet. I'm going to vote. I'm going to uh, tell my friends that they should do the same. So I really think that small little habits, especially the ones that are impactful, like we talked about taking the plane. You don't feel it that you when you're not taking the plane, you don't really feel good about it because you're just not taking it. Um, but when you buy at Maison Jar, you actually feel good because you're seeing that you're, uh, you, you're see, you see it. And I think that this kind of thing can give a virtuous circle where you're going to do other things to improve in your life, but also to kind of spread the, spread the good, um, around you. And I think that's one of the, the lessons is that we should not, um, think that, um, sometimes we can feel un- uh, like powerless, um, through all that's happening with climate change, that, what we do has no impact because like one are the one governing the, and those big firms are doing this. And I just feel powerless as a person, but actually it's not true. I think that truly if, if we start small and we do a lot of things, we, we're just going to feel more empowered to do more and we can create a collective movement as well. So, so we along those
0: movement. same mm-hmm. lines, if you could get 85% of the world to adopt a single behavior, speaking of small incremental steps, what would that single behavior be?
1: Compost, like um, compost, it's a very easy one for me because composting. There's a lot of great things about composting. It gives uh, food to soil. Like there's no doubt that it's great. But if you don't compost, it's actually terrible. Like more than in, uh, I I I believe I don't want to say that I'm one hundred percent sure, but I believe that in New York City, twenty percent twenty percent of what's in tra- in the trash is just food scraps, and though that food scrap that lands in landfills doesn't decompose. And on the contrary, because there's no air, and when it goes into landfill, it's actually going to create methane. So not composting is actually bad for the planet. So there's, that's why I love compost um, as the first thing that if you want to try, if you want to start in your sustainable journey, and you, you're not doing much, I think that composting is a really, really great one to do because it has great benefit. And when you're not composting, you're actually it actually has some um, side effects.
0: Yeah, so uh-huh. it's not neutral at all. Even if it's food scraps, it's not mm-hmm. neutral to exactly. not compost. So then I'm looking forward to that event in your shop, the upcoming event about how to compost, especially when you live in a city and how to compost from an apartment. That would be, though, I'm looking forward to, to that. Hopefully you live stream that event so I can attend from London.
1: That could be a great thing to do. You're right. We want to do that, by the way. Well, we've done it. Someone has asked to, to live stream one of their events for their own... Uh, for their own, uh, audience. And I think that I should do the same for, uh, for my audience.
0: <laughs> Good idea. All right. So where can we find you online in real life? Where are you?
1: So, uh, Maison Jar, and maybe for those who don't know, so Maison Jar is a maison, which is home house in French. And there's also a play word for all the Americans that, that they know is that, uh, uh, there's a jar, a pickle jar called Mason Jar. So it's actually a playword, Maison Jar, Mason Jar. Uh, And we have our website, which is MaisonJar.nyc. So Maison spelled M-A-I-S-O-N. We have also our Instagram account, which is MaisonJar.nyc, exactly the same. And we are located in uh, Dreampoint Brooklyn at 566 Leonard Street, open seven days a week.
0: Laura Sati, thank you so much for chatting with us today about Maison Jar. It's been a real pleasure. Likewise, Amber. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So for everybody else, we'll see you on B1.